Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to Gray Area. I'm Rob Engel, and I am thrilled to be talking to one of my personal favorite DJs today, someone who you will recognize the name, you will recognize the voice, and someone who's become such a powerhouse and tastemaker within the dance music community. Um, so remarkable. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Rob. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. And I have so many questions for you. Like I mentioned, Let's you're so such a notable and energetic and positive presence within the dance music community. And I really want to get into what your journey has been like over the last few years specifically. But first, I really want to just take it back to the beginning. Um, you're someone who I think really defies categorization. You've mentioned a lot of your like sonic influences being genres like jazz and rock and soul and gospel and funk. And of course, you're native to one of the most important cities on earth when it comes to music, which is Detroit. So mm -hmm. um, could you just take us back and talk a little bit about your upbringing and kind of some of the musical influences that were a part of that? Wow. Um, amazing. Um, okay. Um, so my mother is a classically trained pianist. And um, my first my very first music um, intro to music was classical. Mm -hmm. um, and I um, count that as a, a, a super privilege, um, specifically um, because um, classical music is, uh, is, is adjacent to classism, you know? Um, and as a black woman growing up in Detroit, um, it wasn't typically normal, you know, or, or common, I should say. I, I don't want to say normal because Detroit is a special place. <laughs> That's a whole other conversation. But um, it, it's not, it wasn't common for me to, um, to have access to that. And so I, I grew up pretty privileged in terms of music, um, just having access to that and classical being such a beautiful and complicated music. It prepared my brain for um, intricacies and, and awareness of music and style. And, and as with any genre, I think anything can fit into it. So it kind of, mm -hmm. anything can fit into classical. You can make it disco, you can make it house, you can make it hip hop, you know. Um, it, it prepared me for that. I also, um, my mother also, um, was a music minister of a, a church. So mm -hmm. I grew up also in the church. So I was, um, I grew up around black gospel music and um, that music being the foundation of pretty much most of the American genres um, that are popular to this day, be it funk, soul, rock, um, uh, jazz, gospel is at the foundation of that. So I grew up pretty privileged with the ear, you know? Um, and I'm really, really grateful for that because it, it just broadened my horizons and made me super hungry. Mm -hmm. um, and so the rest of my siblings, um, all musicians, I grew up in a musical household. Um, I grew up um, singing in church. Um, I eventually taught myself drums. I was a professional drummer for a while. I had a little stint during that. Uh, I was a um, drummer in a punk rock band 
back in the day. Um, and eventually um, I became a singer in several funk bands. And um, in particular, um, am, I, am I veering off the subject? Um, yeah, this, my, is, this is great. Okay. Um, I was the lead singer of a, of a James Brown cover band. Um, and I actually like to call it a tribute band. It wasn't, I didn't do any covers. We didn't do any gimmicky things. I interpreted the music. Uh, we interpreted the music um, and it was delicious. And um, simultaneously of, 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 of that venture, I started DJing mm -hmm. in 1997, actually. Um, I was in college and uh, needed a job. And I found an ad in my school paper for a company that was hiring DJs. And it was back in the day when you could just bullshit your way through stuff. So I was like, yeah, I'm a DJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they just were impressed by my music knowledge and my, because, um, you know, Detroit is such a rich place. Like I grew up hearing everything. And I also grew up during the 80s. So, the 80s was just like a cauldron of everything and it wasn't like oh this is this kind of music oh this is this kind of music it was like i like this song yeah that's the jam and everybody was into it you know so my ear was pretty pretty trained and um um i'm grateful for all of that it it it, it, it um it has helped me survive mm -hmm. all these years as a DJ, um, my ear and just my taste and just my ability to um, to fit and pivot and understand the way things are related to one another. That was pretty long-winded. I hope that was okay. That was fantastic. And, you know, it's funny. You just used the word cauldron, which I'm looking at my questions right here, and it's actually a, uh, a word I specifically use because you know, I want to talk about Detroit and Detroit is such this cauldron of raw musical talent. I don't know what magic is happening in or around it's that. It's the water. It's the water? It's the water. <laughs> Love it. Um, you know, from being, you know, birthplace of Motown, birthplace of techno, it just seems like that city is constantly churning out stars and raw musical talent. So I was wondering if you could provide some insight on like into like what that is why why detroit is such this prolific city? um i think um detroit is or always has been a place um how can i say this it's been a city of hope you know um during the great migration um post-slavery during the the industrial revolution when black folks were leaving the South and moving up North or up South, as they would say, um, there was this, uh, a couple of few places that people gravitated to. And that was um, Chicago, Detroit and New York City. And um, that's where the jobs were. That's where, that's where change was. That's where industry was. That's where hope was. And I think that people bring that hardworking element to a place where you had to work hard to make it become something, you know, it being the, 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 the birthplace of the car, you know, um, or the factory, the car factory or mass production. 
um, which uh, is actually where Barry Gordy got the idea for Motown mm. because he worked in the factories in mass production and he understood the the productivity and the um, the success of doing things a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why Motown was so successful. But I think, and I'll talk about that more about that in a second, but I think that um, Detroit is a, is, a, is, a, is a hard place, but it's also super beautiful and super soft. And um, it's, it's also so up north that people kind of forget about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also cool because it's adjacent to Canada. Mm-hmm. You know, it's actually closer. It's a stone's throw, like Detroit and Canada. Yeah. If you get like a slingshot, bro, you could be like, <laughs> and you would be in Canada. You know what I mean? Like, it's closer than Manhattan and Brooklyn, if that gives you any kind of uh, visual of it. Um, and um, it also was one of the last stops on the Underground Railroad. So it's just a, a ton of hope, a ton of hope, and, and a ton of necessity, and a ton of hard work and a ton of um, kind of because it's been forgotten or people just don't think of it or remember it mm-hmm. all the time. Um, when people aren't watching you, like you get to do whatever the hell you want to do, you know? And I think that um, that that is what happened in Detroit. It's kind of like, we can be weirdos. We can We can try some different things. We can, we can just be an adventure. And I think, hello, the music tells it all, you know? Yeah. It's a wonderful place um, that has produced a ton of stuff, including rock and roll, including soul, including jazz. You know, some of the greatest jazz musicians of our time came from Detroit and um, no one really discusses that, you know, or, or gives Detroit a nod for that. And um, yeah, there's just, it's just endless. It's endless. It's wonderful. Amazing. And, you know, as you mentioned, you know, you kind of grew up or kind of were raised among when, you know, especially when techno was really just finding its footing in the city and starting to kind of percolate out to other cities in the U.S. Could you talk a little bit about like paint a picture of what that time was like when there was just this um, inception of the super prolific genre happening? I think that, Techno came about during a time um, where people were trying new things and um, were given permission to do things different. Mm-hmm. And, and you can Google this and it'll always pop up, but, but there was this radio show, The Electrifying Mojo, mm-hmm. um, that wasn't, it, it, it was like an adventure, like, dude will come on and it was almost like a, probably like um, Little Orphan Annie or um, I would probably liken Electrifying Mojo show to um, the early days of radio mm-hmm. when um, there, were, there, there wasn't any visual. So the, the narrator is creating the visual with sound effects and with the voice and with, with dialogue. So um, probably like Orphan Andy or like one of these adventure shows from like the, 50, the, the, the 20s, you know? Um, but Electrifying Mojo, he was taking you on a space journey through yeah. sound and music and 
time and his show was super dope because it um he played everything it was the first time we got introduced to prince it was the first time we we heard like tears for fears and duran duran and um b-52s and um he was playing classical he was playing jazz he was playing everything but he did it in such a soulful way that it gave you permission to feel comfortable with it, with mm-hmm. something that's different or something that wasn't common and regular in your neighborhood kind of thing. Um, and so that stuff was going on and all this technology was coming out, you know, and um, keyboards, Casio was doing their thing, Atari was out. It was just kind of like a digital era that mm-hmm. we started leaving um, analog and getting into digital stuff. And so these young dudes and a lot of women, a lot of women don't get um, mm-hmm. spoken about in the story of techno. Yeah, There were plenty of women that were doing things, specific, specifically Serena Tyler, um, Stacey Hotwagtail. I definitely want to give them shout outs as pioneers of this music. Um, but these were just like your cousin, your brother, your homie in the hood, mm-hmm. messing around with keyboards, messing around with sound being inspired. Um, also, I, I want to mention um, um, Kraftwerk mm. because they were the first time we heard kind of digital kind of music. Um, I do want to give them a nod because it's such a controversial subject mm-hmm. about who started techno and how techno started and da 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 I definitely believe and, and feel techno started in Detroit, mm-hmm. the sound that we know and in, in here, but the first time we heard those digital, that digital programming came from Kraftwerk. Mm-hmm. But in the old way, so these dudes in the hood are making this music and they're sharing it and then they're printing it, they're pressing it rather, and it starts spreading. And um, it was the sound that was on the radio. It was the sound coming out of cars. It was the sound in the hood, mm-hmm. the hood music. This was hood music. It wasn't, it really wasn't um, like, oh, we've discovered the, the, a moon. You know what I mean? It wasn't like yeah. that. It was just like, this is what we're doing right now. You know, people were doing dances in the driveway, doing routines in the driveway. It was on television. Um, it was on television, it was on the radio, it was just regular. And um, they have a, the guys that started techno and I, I will leave their names out of it because you can Google that. Um, anyone can Google that and we all know the pioneers of techno. Um, they had a relationship with Chicago and what was happening at the same exact time was house music was being born in Chicago. And so as techno was being created, house music was being created and they were having a relationship and so there is a relationship between Chicago and Detroit. It's, it's like five hours, they're like f- four to five hours apart, mm-hmm. you know? So it was nothing to go to Chicago, it was nothing to go to Detroit um, and, and share information. And, um, and then it, it blew up, you know? Um, I'll leave that to your, to your viewers to, um, to do the research on that. It's, it's totally accessible information, I won't. I'll spare you all that. But I, I do want to make a little um, footnote here that everyone should find and watch this 
documentary called God Said Give Them Drum Machines. Um, and really, 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 really is the first time I saw such a concentrated effort to take you through the journey of techno and the way that it was created. Um, so check that out. That is, I'm writing that down. It's, it's going straight onto my list. Yeah. Um, so remarkable. I want to turn a little bit back to kind of your career as a DJ. You know, you said you started in 1997. Um, could you take us through, um, you know, your journey since then and kind of, um, how your career is, you know, I, I would say even, I wouldn't even say a triple threat is accurate. I would say a multi-hyphenate creative <laughs> artist. Yeah. Um, so could you, you talk a little bit about, you know, from the moment that you started DJing, the moment that you really started to fall in love with, um, Dan or actually, let me ask you that. When, was there a seminal moment or a singular moment where you discovered and fell in love with house? Yeah, I had to have been like um, nine or 10. Mm -hmm. We had gone on, um, so my mother is from uh, Louisiana, but she also grew up in Chicago. Mm -hmm. So I went to Chicago often and we were leaving Chicago, coming back home. And I fell asleep with my headphones on, my Walkman um, and um the radio was on, like I had ran through my tapes. So I had to listen to the radio mm. on my headphones and I was asleep and I'll never forget, I was leaning on the window, on the, on the door and this music came on, woke me up out of my sleep. It was house music. And I was like, wow, what is this? This is incredible. And like I was telling you, I grew up in a staunch Christian household. So like I wasn't always having access to um, commercial music or ra radio music all the time. So I may have missed a couple of things, you know, um, in, my, in, the, in that stage of my life. But headphones really helped me. Headphones are like my jam. Like I'm able to disappear and go into my own world and have control over what I'm listening to. So. I'm listening to this in the car and I'm like, yo, the way my body was just going, my little self, I just was like, no, this is incredible. Mm -hmm. This is incredible and I have to have this. I need more of this. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. And so I was just in constant pursuit of that. Mm -hmm. But also during that time, it was so regular. It was on, it was everywhere, like yeah. commercials and TV and, and the radio. And, you know, it just was like a, a beautiful discovery for me. And it wasn't like, um, it was a secret thing. It was so common, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but I knew that was for me. Yeah. I knew it was for me. I also grew up during the birth of hip hop. Mm -hmm. And so my brother was a B-boy and Hip hop was all the rage as well, yeah. you know? So my brother and all the talent shows doing break dancing and everything. And um, it was in all the movies, Break In and Crush Groove and um, Wild Style, like all of that kind of stuff was like a huge deal. Hip hop culture was a huge deal. And mm -hmm. I felt like house was more for me. And what's interesting is that house and 
hip hop started around the same time and they're they're brother and sister. They come from the same mother. Yeah. You know, they come from the same mother. Um so yeah, yeah, like that's that's what it was for me. Um and so as I um continued my journey growing up, um, I listened to a bunch of stuff, you know. I was a huge George Michael and Prince fan, like mm-hmm obsessed with with them um and um prince was pretty weird for for a young person to be interested in the way i was interested in yeah you know how people come to school and reciting the 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 latest fresh prince or biz marquee hip-hop song and i'm like but have you heard the new prince Mm -hmm. (laughs) have you heard parade do you (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) i was just such a weirdo for that you know um and so my musical tastes just were, and I eventually listened, started listening to hip hop and, and what have you, but um, um, house was it for me. And so when I started um, DJing in 97, I was already a club kid. I already knew that's what I wanted to do. I was already a club kid. I was already going out, partying, hanging out, dancing to this music, immersed in this music. I love that. Um... You know, I have a similar story. You know, it's funny because you talk to some people and they're like, you know, my brother was a house DJ, my uncle was a house DJ. And they were like, like someone introduced them to it. But, and I guess for me, it was the same way, but I started going out to clubs when I first moved to New York and it was like such a discovery for me. I saw, you know, none other than Honey Dijon when she was playing little, littler uh, clubs in New York. And I was like, Mm -hmm. What does this sound? What am I listening to right now? Exactly. I need I need more of this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's infectious. It's amazing. Love it. And um I guess well before we get to, you know, kind of your your journey and your career with Defected, which I think is a huge part of your story, and I think where a lot of people know you from, could you take us through a little bit, you know, from when you started DJing and kind of some of the seminal moments or milestones in your career up until kind of the past few years where we've been working pretty closely with you know the biggest house label on the planet um um so back in 97 there were not a lot of women djs for Mm -hmm. one let's start there um there were some of course there's always been women present um but nowhere near what it is now nowhere near what it is now Absolutely not. And I, um, an important part of my journey has been um, combating or proving people wrong mm-hmm. about um, their assumptions about me. I mean, back in the day, it was, it was kind of like, I would come up to the party and they would be like, are you waiting for your boyfriend? Where's, um, are, you here for, are, you, are you here for your boyfriend? Or do you need help with that? Or what are you about to do? Like, oh, you're the DJ? What? You know, kind of thing. And um, so I've always had in my mind that I had to prove people wrong. Mm-hmm. Because people made assumptions about me being me being a woman or being me being a Black woman. Um, or just me being powerful, you know? Um, so um, I started off um, being a club kid, you know, outside of DJing and... I also had to balance it because the work I was doing in the very beginning was like private events. I was doing weddings and bar mitzvahs and 
what have you, like stuff that I was deeming corny, but I also knew was super important um, because it actually trained me. Like playing for those audience trained me for the club because mm -hmm. you're playing for a diverse group of people and at one time and getting them to unify through the music has been, um, it was wonderful training, but that has been an integral part of the impetus behind my work. Mm -hmm. has been the nucleus of, of my work is like I'm bringing everybody together I'm here to bring everybody together everybody's walking through the world from different walks of life everyone's from all over the place and we have to come together through this music mm -hmm. um and and so fast forward through that um eventually started working in the clubs um that was pretty cool and I was simultaneously singing in bands and mm -hmm being a musician my whole world was about music um and then it became um cool to record yeah and so i started recording with some producers and two things were happening one i was getting taken advantage of um in terms of the business side of things um i have a ton of music out there in the world that um does not list me as the the artist um, miss, miss has miswritten, <laughs> misnamed me, or um, and or I haven't gotten paid for that work. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that was devastating to me. But also, what was happening is I wanted more autonomy with how I was sounding, and I didn't know how to do that. So I taught myself how to produce music, mm -hmm. and. Um, because I couldn't, it was just kind of like, no, nah, like you don't understand what I'm trying to do. And uh, uh, and so I taught myself how to produce. Yeah. Um, so um, through that journey, I've discovered the importance of the connection as from a musician to the dancer, to the DJ, to the producer. I believe also one of the foundations of my artistry um, has been me being a dancer. I've studied ballet for a long time and I understood the connection between music and the dancer. Mm -hmm. um, the dancer is just as much a part of the music as the music itself um, because of the, it's a conversation that's happening. And so I understood that the, you have to be a dancer. You should be a dancer first. Mm -hmm then um, you should be a musician slash producer and then you can be a DJ. Mm -hmm. Did I say that right? Should be a dancer first, producer, and then you can be a DJ. I don't think you should be a DJ. Wait, 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 wait. I'm saying it wrong, Rob, because I have a whole thing and my brain just got scrambled. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You sh this is the part of the beautiful editing, right? Um, you should be a, a dancer first, then you should be a DJ, and then you can produce. So you understand how everything is operating together. Yeah. Because the DJ and the dancer are having the conversation. So, so many times when producers become DJs, um, that's, not, that's not terrible, but I think you should have the information, the understanding, the awareness of how the DJ speaks to the dancer before you start making the music. Because if you just um, 
out here just making music willy nilly, you don't understand how it will translate, how it will, how it will um, be received. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to ask you about kind of, I guess, another part of that equation, or maybe I'm not sure how you would consider this, but I think, you know, we just both got back from Defected Croatia, which was mm -hmm. an incredibly amazing time. And, you know, I've gotten to see you spin in Brooklyn, in Croatia now. And one of the things that I think I really admire is that you have, yeah, I'm not sure if it's a natural or a learned ability to kind of almost MC as you're you're doing your sets. So wanted to ask first and foremost, is that something that's kind of just occurred naturally for you? Is that kind of a learned skill to kind of, because that's something that I think not all DJs can do. And I actually, in fact, most DJs cannot do. It's kind of MC while they're simultaneously playing their set. And secondly, is, is that skill set somehow bleed into how you got defect or connected with defected and hosting defected radio um no well kind of um yeah. well let me back it up when i first started djing um the the speaking over a, um, a microphone while you're working or djing is actually akin to um hip-hop mm -hmm. it was a hip-hop kind of thing and so actually when i first started djing i used to um, hip hop was the ruler of every, every damn thing. So like you wanted to be a hip hop ish, you wanted to have that element. So, um, like I was telling you, I was doing private events and things where I did have to speak over the mic. Um, and I stopped doing that for years when I started doing house music because ain't no talking in house music. No one talks. Um, you supposed to just vibe and feel the, the, the rhythm, feel the bass, feel the, 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 the the connection, right? You're supposed to bliss out. It's a spiritual thing, right? So you're supposed to bliss out and not speak to your dancers. And so um, I I think for me, why I started doing it again is because um, it's starting to become more normalized. People, and I akin that to during the pandemic when everyone was watching all their favorite DJs on Twitch and YouTube and Instagram and what have you. We had to speak to connect to people. And I think that hasn't gotten lost in me. I think it's important that you're like, hey, I'm over here, I'm feeling what you're feeling. And I'm actually wanting to assist you in feeling it more. Mm -hmm. um, because we can, we, our attention spans are low nowadays and, um, and, uh, people kind of need a little push sometimes. And so when you saw me, so I am starting to do that more. I'm, I'm starting to speak and just let people know I'm with you, you yeah. know? Um, but when you saw me in Croatia, um, I probably was doing that uh, just because I was just in the spirit of it all. Mm -hmm. And also because a lot of that audience knows me from my radio show mm -hmm. on Defected. So back it up to, back to, um, back to um, the pandemic. Um, so I had already been in conversation with, with Defected. I've been in conversation with them to um, be signed with them since 2017, 2018. And it never was quite a good fit because I was releasing music and they were um, really excited about it and were like, hey, who are you? You know, kind of thing. And we were having a conversation and it just wasn't a good fit just yet. Um, for me, it wasn't a good fit just yet. I wasn't prepared for what comes when you're signing with Defected, you know. Uh -huh. um, and um, 
during the pandemic, when everything shut down, um, Simon Dunmore would watch my Twitch shows mm-hmm. and would hear me over the microphone and um, just see my rapport and just actually see how I'm DJing. You know, they only knew me as a singer. They didn't know I was a DJ. And so um, he was just kind of like, holy cow, this is like, this is nice. Yeah. You're good. This is great. Your voice is crazy. Your voice is amazing, you know. Um, and um, it started off with him asking me to do the radio show. Mm-hmm. It started off with actually me doing voiceovers for them. For their for their radio show, then it became like you know what, let's just have you be a DJ on the radio, yeah, on our radio show, and so I did. Um, I signed up. Yes, I'm down for that. And then um, they offered me um, an artist development um, publishing deal, so I am an assigned artist on Defected as well as a musician, as a producer, vocalist. Um, as in addition to me having the radio show. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how that happened. And um, um, what was I gonna say? Um, yeah, so when you saw me in Croatia, I, that was such, that set, I know exactly the one you're speaking about. It was, I don't know what happened. That was just such a blur. And everyone is still excited about it. I don't, I just was lost in the moment. I don't remember anything. I don't remember, it was just kind of like, we were on a spaceship or something. I don't know. It was bananas. It was, it was no, like, it, was, it was a special, special experience for sure. And my friends who, really, it was my friends who were there was the first time being introduced to defected in general. Um, mm-hmm. um, and they were like, best out of the best. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, that was, um, it was something really special. And I think um, what I also want to ask you, Remarkable, too, is, uh, you know, you're, I think, someone who, you know, externally or people looking at you really see this, like, wave of success that you're, you're kind of riding or experiencing right now. So wanted to ask, like, you know, and this might be a super hard and lofty question. I hate when people ask me this, but like, what do you see for yourself in the next um, couple years as an artist? In the next couple years, mm-hmm. um, I see me releasing a lot of music. Um, I see me touring a lot. I see, um, I see my reach expanding. Mm-hmm. Um, I see higher heights being reached. You know, I um, I want to go even further with this. You know, I, I don't have those aspirations like I want to be the best DJ in the world. I want to be on everybody's tongue. I want to be da, 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 da. no. I want to bless as many people as possible. I really, yeah. I really, really consider this my my life's work. My my my. Uh, my ministry, if you will, mm-hmm. um, that feeling you felt during my set at, in Croatia, I want everybody to feel that way all the time when I'm working. I want you to come to church. I want you to come and get some healing. I want you to come and get an experience that takes you away from the craziness of the world where you forget where you even are. You're just um, high from the from the joy you know i often say joy is my life's work and i mean that um so i i I see my reach expanding um and um i definitely see way more money (laughs) oh yes mama likes money (laughs) 
definitely see way more money and more reach. And but again, not for nothing. Like I haven't been doing this this long. If that was my 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 main goal, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, given I guess you know all of your experience and kind of all your experiences within this industry, wanted to ask you know, in your view, what does the dance music industry or the house music community need more of or less of in your opinion we definitely need more women mm -hmm. we definitely need more um black folks up to the front um specifically because this music was created by black folks for black folks mm -hmm. um and that's that wasn't shade to to anyone that isn't black but it's like there's something about um there's something about the concentration of the goal, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and what I mean is um, I think folks have gotten away from the goal, which is like that love of music, that nugget of like, I'm, play, I'm making this for my people at the club tonight that's gonna, that are gonna dance to this, you know? There was something so pure and so beautiful about that. And I think people, what the industry has been doing is be making a facsimile of that, of that heart, you know? And um, what happens when something constantly gets faxed, the ink dulls and you start having blotchy imagery and it, it looks like a carbon copy, you know? And I think um, women bring um, heart to the story. And I think more women up to the front and I think that um, we need to get away from, if I hear the same sample and different song one more damn time, I just can't handle it. You know what I'm saying? I can't handle it. It's not cool. The sampling of the music, I can't hear it anymore. I can't. You know, with my radio show, I hear everything because the people send me everything. So I'm constantly inundated with stuff. And I can listen to a song in the first 20 seconds to know if it's for me or trash, you know? Yeah. It's a lot of trash. And so I need to see the, the heart come back. That's what I'm talking about. What That's what I would like to happen. I would like the heart to come back mm -hmm. um, and some new sounds. And yes, there's still time and there's still space for newness. You know, there's still time to impress folks, you know? Um, there's still space for that. You know, we haven't heard everything yet, you know? So that's what I think. I love that. And I guess um, one of my one of my final questions is just, how do you feel like we're gonna get to, uh, how, what, what advice would you get give to people to kind of get to that new sound? Um, you know, if it's not about using that same sample over and over, how, or how do we get back to, not having carbon copies of everything, but rather really get back to that heart of the music that you were just describing. Like what else needs to happen within the industry and for personal artists to do that? Um, I think the makeup of the nightlife needs to mm -hmm. change because that's why they're making, they're, they're farting out music like they are, you know what I mean? It's just like, psh, mm -hmm. just, just, Throwing out bullshit is just so it can be played in the club and fit that machine. I think the structure of the nightlife needs to change. I think um, there needs to be a little bit more um, 
requirement for there to be new DJs. There's way too many, way too many DJs. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, no one's working hard anymore. And I'm not talking about doing five, six, seven gigs a week. Mm-hmm. That's not working hard. I mean, like, you're not putting your heart into it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, working hard is not getting high and drunk every night and doing five, six, seven gigs. And you're, oh, I'm so tired. Uh, mm-hmm. No, it's like, is your heart in it? You know, that's why there's too many DJs. There's too many DJs. The nightlife is driven by money and greed. Um, the promoters are putting four and five DJs on a bill. When I was coming up, you went to see one DJ and probably the opener. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you had, you got to have an experience. It is, there was something so magical about going to see a DJ from the from open to close. Like you were on a journey. Now you've got DJs and I'm doing gigs for one hour, 90 minutes. And mind you, I'm working, so I'm grateful, but like I really want to play for like four hours, man. Give me a four hour set. Give me three hours even. I'm going to do something with that. Um, So I think when that structure changes up, um, it will make people work harder at making better music. You know, I'm listening. I get, I probably get like 400, 500 songs a week um, that people send me to put on my radio show and I'm hearing so many songs that are just like a loop. I'm like, you got to put this out on a label? It is just a loop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a drop in a loop. A drop in a loop. A drop in a loop. Ta-da! It's blowing my mind, you know? And um, yeah, the nightlife has to, the conversation needs to shift. That's what's going to help it. But, you know, um, probably won't we are in a capitalist society and um i don't see that changing probably for another 15 years before everything implodes um <laughs> before the world blow up um it is it, coming but not just yet um mm-hmm. it's and- gonna we have to start over yeah and let me ask because i feel like i've you know my my experience with house music i've always been very blessed and privileged that I was introduced to artists who do have their heart and soul into the music, aren't afraid, and in fact, demand that they get to play those longer sets. And that's what going to the club has always been about to me is kind of being taken on a journey. I remember one of the best sets I've seen this year, Gary Chandler, man, he takes you on a journey. He takes you on a journey. Gary Chandler. I know. Oh my gosh. But one of my favorites. Me too. And I want to ask, in your opinion, where, where do those pockets still exist? Or where can people find that? Um, seeing the legends, because the legends demand that, you know? It, you, you probably won't see Louis Vega for, for uh, a one-hour set ever, mm. you know? Um, and if you did, you probably got $20 million for that. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> um, but yeah, like you said, like going to see Carrie Chandler or going to see Louis Vega or or Carl Cox, you know, um, outside of like a festival setting where it's like a million people coming at you, right? But like, you're gonna see that with the older, with the OGs, with the older, the older DJs. That's when you're gonna see that. 
Um, and you're going to find that when you find that person that is an amazing house DJ or an amazing DJ in general and is playing at the bar at a local pub for 100 people, 150 people, maybe 200 people. And um, people love them and they're building up their, their, their career. They're building up their rapport with folks. And you really get to see some cool stuff. That's really kind of what my journey in New York was, you know? Like, that was me. I developed my following by creating my own spaces, creating my own events um, where I was the sole DJ. And people got to see me on my journey as I took them on a journey, you know? So you will see that with, with the up and coming folks or folks that are unknown. Um, and you'll find that with legends. Amazing. Well, remarkable. It is such a number one, a pleasure to speak with you and an honor to speak with you. And then secondly, you know, to have you in the music industry and have you with such Thank a so refreshing conversation to me. And I really hope it does the same for for gray areas listeners. So thank you so much for I really appreciate you, Rob. Thank you for having me. It's been a delight. I'm and so grateful to be seen and heard. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And one more thing that we like to do before we go, we like to do a little rapid fire round of just some this oh, or that question. Um, so I have 12 questions for you here. I'm going to oh, do a little okay. rapid rapid fire for you. Let me get myself together. All right. All right. You ready? Let's go. All right. Question number one, festival or club? I'm sorry. I got to think about that. Festival. Number two, what is the ideal BPM for a track? 122 one to 125. Three, coffee or Red Bull? Coffee. Love it. Um, number four, what is the best dish or food from Detroit they have to try? Um, you got to have Detroit pizza. You got to try Buddies. Love Eat it. Dish. Number five, Vegas or Miami? Neither. <laughs> Neither? Avoid them? <laughs> I mean, if I have to choose, I would say Miami for the, for the beach. All right. Number I six. Those places. <laughs> uh, guilty pleasure TV show. Um. I just started watching, my partner just got me watching this show called uh, Never Have I Ever on Netflix. Uh, I'm kind of into it. It's like the grassy high or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a big TV watcher, but I'll check that out because I love it. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's like these high school kids of this day and age. So it's funny to me. Anyway, go, go. <laughs> um, seven, favorite animal? Puppies. Can't go wrong. Number eight, favorite song that's on repeat at the moment? Um, just because the way it is, it's just a, it's a beautiful loop anyway, but um, so it just is natural. Um, I've been playing Break It Down by Oshunade a lot lately, and it's just been my vibe. Number nine, where's your happy place? Um home after a long tour 
home. 10. What is a track you never get tired of? I will probably play forever. Um, never Too Much by Luther Vandross. I'm playing that song as long as I live. And similar question, a track that resonates on the dance floor no matter where you are in the world. I bet you never too much would work anywhere in the world, but um, um, and you might have heard me play it recently. Um, Red Alert by Basement Jacks. Mm, yeah, it's it's kind. Of, I just started playing it again. It had a it has a huge influence on my on my life and trajectory as a as a DJ. But I just started playing it again maybe the past three months, um, two months actually. I really just started pulling it out, and I just played with Basement Jacks in Ibiza um, a month ago, man, it just blew my head off to just to have that meta moment, you know? Yes. Um, so, yeah. And final question for you, Remarkable. Finish this sentence. Before I die, I want to blank. Spend two weeks in the Maldives on a... <laughs> In a, in a beautiful room over the water. Amazing. <laughs> well, remarkable. I pretty much do whatever I want, so yes. it's hard to answer that question. <laughs> That's the goal. Do whatever you want, spin whatever you want, play for however long you want. <laughs> remarkable, thank you so much for your time, and thank you for, again, you know, taking the time to have this conversation on Gray Area. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Gray Area. I hope you enjoy this. Much love and respect. Appreciate you so much. Thank you.